0: Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter is Jepa DT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey,
1: Pete.
0: We are on the home stretch, but it wasn't so comfortable riding there on the weekend, the last week of the buy period, Jep.
1: Carnage kind of everywhere, mate. Right? It's uh, yeah, it really summed up the whole buy rounds. Just more injuries and more problems.
0: Yeah, it was certainly a situation where you had to just monitor any type of injury and you potentially had to be a little bit flexible during that last week of the buy period But anyway, that's done and we're on to the home stretch now. Alrighty, so what we have known coming out of the buy period are rucks now are a really big issue, Jep.
1: Yes, yeah, so picking top two rucks at the moment is anyone's guess and a bit pot luck as well. It's just been carnage ever, you know, for a few months now with injuries and suspensions and the like, so english and proofs going down over the weekend is a big problem um but not totally you know out of this world we can they're both pretty uh, well priced and there's plenty of players to trade to it's just um looking at the long-term vision who who are those players that you want to hold for four weeks or more or like, like I, I wouldn't look any short-term resolutions i think it's a I think it's, yeah, it's got to be at least a month for one of them and then with Gorn and Grundy coming back, we can reassess from that.
0: Yeah, it's certainly one to keep an eye on every injury list and to see when players are coming back. And, yeah, that's right. Is it not not, not necessarily that you think that you're going to be trading a player in for three or four weeks. You know, based on other issues that might be upcoming, Jep, is that you might be forced to hold them for quite a lot longer, maybe even the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm careful of. So...
0: It,
1: I think basically the attitude you have to have, whether it be true or not, is the player I'm bringing in this week, I'm keeping for the for the rest of the year. Um, and that might be scary for some prospects, but we've seen that players we've traded in, in recent times, I will just, you know, it's a short-term pick-up, Jed Anderson, an example, or someone like that. But then other injuries occur, and then you have to hold on to Jed Anderson or, or Sam Berry or someone like that for that extra week that you didn't really plan to. So it could create carnage, and I just think if you have the the presence of mind to, to sort of, yeah, just know that whoever you bring it in, it could be for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, for my key takeaway is certainly to add flexibility to the squad. So, you know, adding a ruck to your forward line and, and you know, having that uh, ruck forward cover, which most people have got now with that Tegel sitting there as their R3. But, yeah, add flexibility to your squad. So that's going to be pretty important on the run home, Jeff. So last week seemed like a week to adjust as games progress. So I gave you an example pre-pod is that, you know, I had Zach Butters in my team and I, obviously he goes off injured. And not only that, I had Tegel in my team as well. And then I thought, well, I looked at my team for this week upcoming and I go, well, I actually need cover for Zach Butters. So instead of me trading in Took Miller, I actually flex and I went to Tim English. So that's just, you know, you can have all the best plans in the world and, you know, you obviously make a change in direction to make, you know, best practice to have yourself covered for the next week. And obviously Tim English is now ruled out with concussion for this week upcoming. So, you know, you can just plan well, but sometimes luck just doesn't go your way yet.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. And and unfortunately, there was a lot of coaches in the same boat as yourself. It's um having the the rolling lockout is great, but it can also sting you the opposite way. And um and yeah, it's it's just like I said, carnage everywhere. You just can't plan for that or, or uh, predict it either.
0: Injuries did impact fantasy again, Jep, obviously, as we know. Attention to detail over the upcoming period could provide opportunities. So, you know, obviously injuries to key midfielders, you know, with a potential midfielder going out and opening up centre bounces and obviously increased midfield usage. But, yeah, the ruck opportunities in there. So we look at Luke Jackson covering for Max Gorn this week uh, and for the next couple of weeks upcoming as well. So, you know, just taking advantage of every opportunity, you know, can potentially increase your rank for the remainder of the season.
1: Yeah, that's right. And
0: probably Connor Rosey fits into that boat with both not playing on the weekend, and, and Butler's going injured. He,
1: his spike in CBA is just there, and there's plenty of other scenarios like that. So, looking at the teams coming off the bye, how they're structured up. What have, what's changed in, in the other first half of the year? So this first game back, is there anything structurally that's
0: that's moved? And, and noting that, and seeing how that has an effect on fantasy for sure. Uh, Many will start to strip down salary jet uh, to basement non-playing options, but it's still vital to keep viable options like playable options on the bench,
1: yeah? Yeah, look, there's a point where you sort of throw away your, your D8 and your M10 and that kind of thing. I, I don't think it's now. I think, well, in my team anyway, I still need to generate some cash to to fix some primos that have just dropped in price, really, Um and I want to always have that. So um, I'm not throwing away any position just yet, although I do have some dead weight on my team, being Teekel and, and Sam Skinner still. So <laughs> I've rode Sam Skinner through the bye rounds, and um, I think probably be there since season's end, to be honest.
0: Yeah, for me, I mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast, Shep, I said just, you know, obviously the second wave of COVID could potentially hit the back end of the season. So keep in mind some teams now are experiencing COVID for the second time. So it's not really been widely reported, but I've picked up, you know, bits and pieces here and there that some players have actually experienced COVID for the second time. So that could be being covered off by the illness tag at the moment, so we don't actually... It's not really being told, the story. So, you know, be obviously, you know, bench cover is critical. You know, obviously, we can strip down one or two, one at least from each line. That's fine. But, yeah, you know, we might... You know, obviously what we experienced with West Coast early in the season, you know, obviously that opens up to the second wave, you know, hitting the East Coast, potentially for the teams there. So, yeah, some teams are starting to experience that for the second time now. So, you know, is that illness tag being used to cover everything? Look, I don't know, but um, specifically some players have experienced COVID for the second time now. So it's really just an important situation um, to have, you know, really good bench cover and obviously use the um, rolling lockouts to your advantage so yeah, you know, obviously that could provide some certain, you know, genuine opportunities, you know, for those with a solid bench coming home, Jep, is that, you know, you're moving on like a Jake Lego onto a field to cover off that somebody has just been taken out for health and safety protocols or illness or on the day of illness or whatever that's going to be. But yeah, and then we obviously have to add the flu situation into this, um into the game as well. So obviously most teams have been impacted by flu, so that is under the illness tag there as well, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly not going to be smooth sailing towards the finish of the, the fantasy season, Jep. So just, yeah, really quality bench cover. So obviously you can strip down one per line potentially, except for the rucks. Um, but yeah, have that quality player in there is that, um, that bench cover. That, that's my recommendation to finish off, Jep.
1: Yeah, you're spot on about And look, we're fortunate enough where there's a few young guns around, like Parnell's still cheap enough. Mm. Um, D'Ambrosio showed plenty uh, in the Essendon game. It didn't quite come together fantasy-wise, but, you know, he's solidified his spot on the team, and I, I think he's going to be a good scorer. He proved, I think he scored 28 in the second quarter. So it, it can come together for him. Um, and then, yeah, Towards now that we get teams knocked out of the eight, we'll see a bit of development happening and other kids coming through.
0: Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. So most teams should be fully complete or close to it. It's now time to target premium scoring players as soon as possible, Jep.
1: Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, the the lead we've harped on lead for his easy draw for a while now, and this is the time. Um, yeah, complete teams allows for those targets with with the soft draws and um, anticipating those high ceiling games, and it's not just for you know one or two rounds. It's it's probably a month look ahead, and there are captain options and vice captain options as well.
0: Alrighty, we are talking AFL Fantasy season-long classic mode. This discussion is pre-round 15. This podcast has been recorded on Tuesday night, June 21, and, of course, the news has been crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. So before we get into ownership, Jeff, I'm just going to run you through some top 25 scores. So what the you know, the top 25 teams scored in round 12, round 13, round 14, some averages there, and just to give you some sort of um, Uh, feedback on what teams, you know, the top-ranked teams did score, and obviously for the listeners there as well. So um, what we did have was the average for the top 25 was 5,519 points, so it was pretty quality in the end. Obviously, we had some issues, most of us, throughout that buy period, but, yeah, it was pretty quality score in the end, I thought. uh, The highest-scoring round for the top 25 was actually back in round 12, so the average there was 1,899, uh, the lowest was last week, so around 14, 1800. And the middle round there was 1819 uh, there, for the middle round there. So, the fifth, the current fifth ranked team, jet scored 5,634. Um the, the 13th ranked team was the highest at 5,659. And the 25th ranked team was 5,625. In the top 25, your three lowest scores were are not in any order. So 11th ranked team was 5,387. The 14th ranked team was 5,393. And the 16th team was 5,396. So we had one score in that top 25 over 2,000 in that three 3 week buy period. That was back in round 12 from the 14th ranked team. Had 2,008 points but ended up being one of the lowest uh, three teams out of that top 25 to score over that three week period. So there's some numbers for you Jeff. There's some numbers for the listeners. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah look it's all pretty close by the sounds of it. It was all pretty tight and Look, I only scored 5,269 over the over the, yeah the three by rounds, and I did quite poorly, uh, much poorer than I was hoping for, and copped a bit of carnage through the rounds that I had to deal with too with injuries. So, um, yeah, but from the top 25's point of view, it all sounded really, really close, and everyone's planned well.
0: So, just from reference there, so Matt's still currently tracking as the number one ranked team. He scored 5,486. And again that average was five thousand five hundred and nineteen. So a little bit of pressure there. He's got a little bit of gap bit of a gap still. So but it's going to be an interesting race to the finish of this season for AFL Fantasy Classic Mode. All right, Jeff, let, let's get into some ownership here. So round fourteen, top twenty-five ownership, uh twenty percent higher. I'll flex a few under twenty percent as we go just for general discussion. So this is the squad only. So I've gone through the benches and obviously um got in the highest price players to reference ownership here. Alrighty, so the Rucks, we've got Darcy Cameron at 76%. Um, Tim English, injured, out for this week, 68%. Braden Proust out, suspended for this week, expected to be available for next week with an ankle injury. Uh, he's at 24%. Sean Darcy, 20%. Jared Witts, 20%. Raleigh uh, O'Brien, there, just below 20%. He's at 16 And Max Gorn, a couple of teams did hold, obviously, best 18 scores on field. It was one week where you could have actually held Max and if we got a favourable injury report, you know, the week after it was recorded, you know, three to five weeks or whatever that was going to be, um, you could potentially, you know, wait one one more week and then bring him back in, but they might be forced trades this week. So uh, Max Gorn's still two to four weeks away, so where that's that's going to land, we don't know, and there's no real um, locked-in date where where he is going to return. So that's 8% there. Thoughts on any one of those, Shep?
1: Well, it's pretty much what you're saying by those numbers is 100% of coaches in the top 25 need to trade in the rut this week. So it's it's going to get interesting, Um, and look, there are some good options still that people are probably scared to to hit the trigger on or or worried but um, yeah, a lot of movement, a lot of dictation of how the round's going to go and even the next few weeks in terms of ranking hinges on one decision which is that R2, R1 spot
0: For sure. Okay, on the defenders there, so James Sisley 96%, George Stewart, 88%, Jaden Short, 84%, Jack Crisp, 76%, Jordan Dawson, 68%, Sam Doherty, 64%, Jack Sinclair, 36%, Lockie Whitfield, 36%, um, Nick Dacos, still there, 24%, and Tom Stewart, just 12% there, Jeff. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, so Tom Stewart's the point of difference, and we know what uh, high ceiling he has. So if you're gaining rank and looking to bring a defender this week, I think Tom Stewart's the man.
0: Okay, onto the midfielders there. So Lockie Neal 100%, Chuck McRae 92%, Toot Miller 76%, Callum Mills 76%, Andrew Brayshaw 64%, Clayton Oliver 64%, Patrick Cripps 64%, Rory Lead, 56%, was highly targeted last week by the top 25, jet. Uh, Josh Kelly 48%, Zach Mirren 48%, Christian Petrarca 20%. Uh, and then just below twenty percent there, Sam Walsh, bit of a unique option there, sixteen percent. Ollie Wallins sixteen percent there, and just Tom Mitchell twelve percent there, Jeff Thoughts.
1: Yeah, a much bigger spread, um, obviously, and um, with good reason because there are so many primo mids available that uh, have a good good score wrap and, and ceiling and look it's for me I'm trying to pick the fittest players um to see at the second half of the year I I brought in McRae last week. I haven't owned him all year and I finally got him in um, and he proved a worthy um, trading. So for those looking to bring in a primo mid, just look to the fittest. Um, the mids, in my opinion, with obviously a, a good run of form
0: Okay, onto the forwards there. Josh Dunkley, 100%. Stephen Caniglio, 96%. Will Brody, 80%. Zach is now injured out for this week. Potentially could be one week. He had a similar injury last week. He said on radio on Monday that, you know, he had a similar injury last year and it was just a one-week option. Ken Inkley was on AFL 360 and he pretty much referenced the same thing. So hopefully it's just a one-week issue. But, you know, obviously with a ruck issue there, you know, <laughs> obviously, you know, some people are going to be forced to hold Butters depending on how strong your bench is. You know, potentially you're going to have to trade both have figured out somewhere in the middle there, but yeah, definitely out for this week. Um, but yeah, Port Adelaide will likely provide some sort of um, lock-in date where we can sort of figure out our trades by the end of this week, hopefully. So yeah, who was at 64%? Marcus Bontempelli, 48%. Luke Parker, 44%. Mitch Duncan, 24%. Adam Chalor, 20%. And Connor Rosie at 20%. Thoughts, Jeff? Yeah. Look, uh, the, the top six
1: forwards, I think, still up in the air. Um, there's a lot of outside sort of picks you can look at. Himmelberg has been one, but we've got Phil Davis coming back in, which we'll touch on in a second. Um, but yeah, I think Butters out, some more forced trades. What are we going to do? Will Brody's in there as well, probably. With a, well, he's got a high break even um, and bleeding a bit of cash, and only 20% got rid of him within the week, um, in that last week of round 14. So still plenty of movement to happen and plenty of um, change to happen in the top 25, in my opinion.
0: Who are your top three targets for round 15, assuming you don't own any? So for me, it's just, yeah, simple. Callum Mills,
1: um, Jack McRae. And the third one I've thrown in here is for this Ruck debacle. And I'm an owner, and and some will laugh, but Riley O'Brien, I feel like it didn't quite come together for him in the Gold Coast game last week, but he's still thereabouts, working really hard. He's got a high work rate. And um, I think if you're looking for a bit of point of difference, again, Rory O'Brien, trade two.
0: On two for me. So it's um, Sam Walsh, Took Miller, and just Rory Laird. So high selling type players. You know, uh, Sam Walsh obviously had interrupted pre-season late, uh, Is looks to be in pretty good form right now. Took Miller, obviously a high-ceiling ceiling player. Didn't get there last week, but, you know, he can pop in big, big scores. And Rory Laird, so... Um, Matthew Nix has reiterated earlier this week as well is that you know, they, are going, they are going to run some of the younger guys through that midfield uh, to finish off the year, and that that includes a Jackson Hately, that includes you know potentially a, a Jake Saligo to give him more time around the ball. But when asked the question specifically about Rory Led, could he actually go back to halfback to allow you know more youth to go into that midfield? Uh, Matthew Nix pretty much said you know he's moved beyond that, so he's now a midfielder. So lock, you can pretty much lock in lock, uh, Rory Led in that midfield. I think we might see some volatility in that Adelaide midfield, as I've said over the last couple of weeks, with regard to you know of going to miss the finals, they're going to, you know, start to structure up their team for next year and have a look at some players and evaluate some midfielders and, and different positions here as well. But And Adelaide is one of these teams that, you know, we could see some fluctuating positions. Uh, but certainly when Nick was uh, posed the question, you know, he's pretty much said that Rory led to midfielder. So it's one player I would, wouldn't expect any type of um, change in role or whatever. But yeah, obviously just keep in mind with my team, most teams are going to miss the finals that, you know, there's something could... Po- Potentially be an issue, as well. What we've seen over uh, several years in fantasy is that once they go through, once teams go through the buy period, and they're going to miss finals. You know, there's, teams start to get thrown around. So it's one thing to really keep in mind, Jeb. And we've said it uh, quite often on this podcast is you know teams coming out of the buy things do change, Jeb. Yeah, absolutely. And just on Lad,
1: I think he's going to go really big this week, guy. Personally, if, if um, I'm Noble, I'd I tag if I decide to tag, I actually put a cooler on uh, Jordan Dawson and not Rory Lead, because Dawson's far more damaging than um, Lead can be. So Lead owners, don't worry about the Kane Turner tag, in my opinion. I think it's going to Jordan Dawson.
0: Yeah, it's potential. And obviously, you know, uh, David Noble did throw um, Kane Turner as a tag last time out. But, you, you know, I mean, once you you're throwing your tag into the inf- inside midfield and centre bounces, you're giving up... You're pretty much giving up on clearances. So, um, yeah, you might, you might run with uh, Jordan Dawson there as well. So, But Dawson's definitely the most damaging player. I certainly agree with you there. And if you look at Rory Laird's stats from the weekend, obviously he had a stack of disposal. but if you look at his metres gains, they were really low. So it was that give and go, and it was get behind get the ball from a you know, somebody just standing still and so it was really good from a fantasy perspective. So, you know, from the point of view and that's what we look for, is the easy disposals to rack up the points. Rory Led is right in that zone, so if you don't own him, he should be a big target yet. already. So notable low break evens. Uh just gotta run through a few players here. So Patrick Parnell now, so um, yeah, he cops another knock on the weekend as well. Uh, interestingly, both you know, two times I've tried it out, how good is Patrick Parnell going? And within a minute for both of those, he's, got, he's gone down. Like, within, specifically within a minute. When it happened for the second time the weekend, I go, RIP my mentions because that's just going to go nuts and that's exactly what happened so you know obviously I've got no influence on injuries or whatever but it was just really funny there's a twice I've said you know how good's they're going and twice he's got injured but he came back on the ground he finished okay but you know talking about his role in the second half he actually went to Isaac Rankin so you know he was a bit more of a shut down type role in that second half and the scores did stop so I don't think the injury really impacted him uh, and he finished out the game okay but you know post game which is really important for Patrick Parnell so... You know. Um, is that Matthew Nix is really talking him up? So you know Luke Brown wasn't the one to come back in, and 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 I reckon Parnell's got it over him. I think Parnell's spot is there to hold. So if you haven't got him in your team at the moment, he's a big, big target because Matthew Nix is really bullish on him there. And the other one there we'll get to in a couple of ones is that in that same situation with Matthew Nix in Adelaide is Jake Saligo, So you know really bullish on you know what these young players can bring to the Adelaide team. And you know again some. some some players might be on the outs to finish out the season, and if that's the point of view from Luke Brown, it's, a, it's Patrick Parnell's role in there in defence. And the other thing that the assistant coaches have said out of Adelaide the last few weeks as well, you know, they, they've had Chase Jones in there out of half-back line. Obviously, draft as a midfielder, didn't really work out for him, tried to um, uh, fit into a half-back role, um, and it sort of hasn't worked out for him there as well, but what on the back of Chase Jones not accumulating enough disposals, what Adelaide have actually said, this is coming out of consistently out of Adelaide assistant coaches, is that they want players who are going to win a lot of ball out of halfbacks. So that's from our fantasy perspective, that's really good and that's where Parnell's come in. So looking at Parnell and what he can do and obviously we've seen in the first half of the weekend is that he can rack it up. You know, Obviously, I reckon we're going to look at a pretty, as long as he does it, I don't sweat and he doesn't get injured at the same time, that um, I think we could see a really Really solid finish to the end and it's really good bench cover so if you don't own him he would be a high target so he's at 15 break even Jacob where the three Jake Saligo just mentioning him there as well so potentially he's going to go in and around the ball so here's another solid option you can just stick in your midfield bench Even if you don't own him now potentially he's a target you know obviously with some injuries there we can you know um, pay down on one side which could be Saligo and just move up to a premium on the other side of the trade so he's at 12 uh, Massimo D'Ambrosio I, I, I agree with you he was actually quite solid there so and it, what's really important to me and this is what I look at sometimes I don't even look at the numbers Jeff I just, how do you go in the contest how do you, you know, exactly. are, are you really comfortable in there and he took on some really big big pressure moments and he came out the other side and he flourished so yeah. well, I, I, like I really love you know just in a telephone box what do you do does he, does he panic does he just throw it on a boot and get it away from his area no he was really composed so that's real big positive for the Bombers there and also fantasy. So I think, you know, the scores mightn't be great in some certain situations and sometimes defensively you might have to match up on uh, smaller top forwards to lock them down. So you're going to get some fluctuating scores, but yeah, there's some decent bench cover there. 100% I agree with you that he looked actually quite solid. Judson Clark for Richmond, he wasn't so great last week from a fantasy perspective, but you know, you and I have talked that he looks quality with the ball in his hand. So break even to 14, so it's up there a little bit. Not much cash generation potentially if he's going to score quite low. And, and Jackson Mead came back into the team, although the scores and disposals weren't there on the weekend. Ken Hinkley was actually really positive. You know, he was just he went mental at the ball and he was really tough and hard. And you know that you got to look at what's happening at Port Adelaide. Yeah, obviously it started really slow, 0 and 5, but you know since the bye period, you know. Hinckley and the match committee have decided and this is one thing that teams still in contention for finals, they've made some decisions so Motlop out of the team, even as Gray went out of the team, Motlop went out of that team and Jackson Mead in there and he really took his opportunity there, so he might get the full-on run, even though if Port Adelaide missed the finals from this point onwards that Mead still might get his opportunities in that team, is it 16? Thoughts on any one of those Jeff?
1: Yeah, Meade was an interesting one and I thought he um, his pressure game was up, so he might have been a yeah, It's a clear instruction to me anyway that that's what he had to work on when he went back to the sample for that block of games and, um, and it's improved on that.
0: OK, on to notable low players, potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon with a 130-plus break-even. So Darcy Parish 155. I don't think we need to... Even he plays this week, I don't think people need to uh, target him for a couple of weeks post when he returns... So he's at 155. Jack Steele, 147 on the radar to return this week as well. Uh, so there's a definitely a point of difference though. Ownership, he can score there as well. Uh, Josh Cully there at 144. Aaron Hall uh, mentioned last week's pod. He? he moved up into the wing and out of that D50. So there's really sort of... You know, I'm going to shy away from Aaron Hall because, again, the you know, team's out of the finals. The are going to get moved around. Hall was one of those last week, so really on the radar watch for you know, pretty much an avoid for me for Hall for the remainder of the year. Break even at 143. You mentioned earlier a big, unique option here, Tom Stewart, Jep, so he's at 140. You know, He can hit that, so I wouldn't be too... Um, sort of focused on the break even here. I would just actually, if you can get him in and he's your option, uh, I would certainly target him. I would just certainly ignore the 140 there and get him in. So, uh, Christian Petrarca, here, the last one, 139 break even. Thoughts on any one of those, Jeff?
1: Yeah, I think um, Petrarca would have enjoyed the week off and I'm expecting big things from him in the second half of the year. Like you said, Tom Stewart, I don't think it really matters what his break even is. If, if we want to try gain rank and take some risks, now's the time. I can't die wondering. Um, and he's the type of player to, to bring in in that instance.
0: Certainly. Okay. On notable strong scoring output with a 115 plus average last three rounds. So Jack McRae 126, Sam Doherty, 126, Lockie Neal 125, Andrew Brayshaw 122, Rory Lee 122, Harry Himmelberg 120, Clayton Oliver 118, Cam Guthrie 117, Callum Mills 116, Jack Fahey 115. Before we jump in, Jeb. I'm going to just jump into Harry Himmelberg. So there's a few things going on here with Himmelberg. So it starts in D50 last week, and the scoring's there again. It was actually really good. I actually traded Himmelberg in, but knowing that, you know, potentially he could move forward or into a different position as well. So Proust goes down with an injury out of the game, and then, lo and behold, Himmelberg's into the ruck and out of that D50. The other thing is, Hogan was limping around in that game there as well. So if Hogan's any chance to miss this week, have a guess who's going forward this week, people. It is, potentially, it's Harry Himmelberg, the other thing is that you'll mention in a sec is that Phil Davis can potentially to come back in that team. And obviously, yeah. you know, a lot of things, a lot of adjustments. And, you know, that, that loss last week for GWS pretty much rules them out for finals for the remainder of the year. So, you know, they're going to roll with Phil Davis back in the team. I'm not too sure. Potentially, um, he adds quite a bit of uh, stability into that defense, especially on key position players. Uh, but, yeah, Himmelberg's been great in defence. Hopefully he goes back in there. But, you know, I'm an owner and I'm actually really concerned heading into this week. Jep, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I almost pulled the trigger. Um, refrained
0: just, uh, just out of pure fear,
1: really. Um, but, yeah, he start, you know, his typical starts well and I'm looking at his scores, cursing. But, yeah, like you said, I think Himmelberg goes forward part-time rough this week. And um, Phil Davis comes back in, so that um, that gift of plus sixes in that back line might deteriorate. Uh, well, not might. I think it's pretty certain it is going to deteriorate. So it's an avoid now, um, and um, probably avoid for the for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, the other the other player there to get injured was James Peatling. so he's had a couple of two to three weeks there with a hamstring injury. So that's another tall sort of marking type, medium type, small. Uh, medium-type forward there as well. So, you know, Himmelberg's right in that frame to go forward. So, you know, if it goes forward, that's a bit a bit of a good one. I've got the one week there. I thought it was quite solid. Uh, but, yeah, uh, potentially we've got some issues coming in. Hopefully that's not the case, but, you know, like, who knows? Like, I'll be more than happy if Himmelberg is back in D50 on the weekend. But we'll see how we go. And they play on the Sunday there as well. So um, I'll be holding him. And, and, you know, it's one of those probably ones that Himmelberg can slide into... Um you know, you can loop in there for two or three weeks while you work out other things on your field. So, you know, I'll bet- potentially be using a loop option, you know, but that could include Himmelberg over the closing weeks. Yep. alrighty, so okay, on to a few key players for the listeners. Uh time to play lock of this like to finish off the podcast, Jep. So we're gonna do a thirty four pack. Thank you for sending those in as always. So uh Max Corn out. So the the question is, Luke Jackson, you sent that one in, Jep? Um, I like the pick
1: yeah I um, I don't and I'm just worried about what Luke Jackson's feeling is so we we obviously tick off that his value um, but what is realistically Jackson going to score from this point on and to me right now points are more of interest to me than, than value so Luke Jackson, to me, has a ceiling of 90. I don't think it's much beyond that. I don't think he's the saviour and answer to all of our prayers. What Luke Jackson doesn't do compared to Gorn is mark the ball as well as Gorn does. So we're going to struggle in that sense, plus his run coming up. So I put it in there. Ironically, I I looked at it straight away, but even during the Butters injury, Butters Jackson was the first thing that came to my mind, I think I even suggested it to a couple of people on Twitter. But now that I've sort of had the time to look at it, digest it, analyse it, watch a bit of his games, and look at his stats as well, I don't think his ceiling is much more than 90. I, I hope I'm wrong because there's obviously a lot of people going to jump on regardless. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to actually say dislike, maybe a bit controversial.
0: Uh what about his upcoming contract? He can potentially add some value if he goes off in that ruck jet. Yeah, it's an
1: incentive for him. I think the offer's have already been had and he's already thinking about the offers, whether to come home or stay in Melbourne. So to me, if anything, his recent run of form of 60s might be because he's thinking about that contract too much. Um look, he's going to get way more opportunity. He scored a solid 82 with 83% time on ground, and that's the one advantage that he will have now. So a few weeks back, he's only had 65% time on ground and scored 68. So if he's getting that 85 90% time on ground, I think he's good for, an, you know, around a 90 in a best-case scenario. Um, you definitely put the jets on, and, and a lot of ruckmen won't be able to go with him. So um, that's an advantage, but um, in essence, I'm just, you know, analysis from my end is he's ceiling something much more than 90. I'm looking at other players as a result, and um, I'm going to say it's a dislike.
0: Audie, onto Jake Stringer. So obviously, people look at the score there last week, uh, look at his decent score, but um, Parrish potentially to come back in. You know, Hobbs going to go through that midfield a little bit. You know, Stringer does start in the centre bounces, but then he does go forward. In good matchups, he's okay, but yeah, we're trying to get a nine-week um, sort of decent roll out of certain players. So Stringer dislike for me, to too too volatile. Yeah, dislike for me too. But Harry Himmelberg, so I do have him, but yeah, I'm probably leaning on the side of um, warning and dislike. So I'm, I'm kind of not liking the trade that I did last week. So dislike for me. Yeah,
1: dislike for me as well with what? The movement of, of roles at uh, Julia is apparent.
0: Uh, Christian Salem, so I'm going to say dislike here. Obviously a bit of a unique option there as well. Can score, we do know that, but I think there are better options in defence uh, such as Tom Stewart. So dislike on Christian Salem for me, personal opinion.
1: Yeah, dislike as well. And not, for no other reason than he doesn't really have a ceiling, a scoring ceiling in fantasy. He's never really proved that over his career, and I don't think much is going to change, especially with Angus Brayshaw behind the ball as well. So, dislike.
0: Get Anderson. So, uh, going to give you a couple of answers here. So, for the longer term to finish off the season, dislike. But for the short-term hold, if you've got other issues to deal with, potentially to hold against Adelaide this week might be actually OK then in Hobart. So, in, we know he can rack up those tackles, and, you know, smaller top ground there in Hobart that he can potentially roll through with a few more tackles this week against Adelaide. So short-term hold if you have to. I do like it. But, yeah, beyond that, it's a dislike for me, Chip.
1: It's actually a big like for me. Um, I do love that, you know, Anderson tackles a lot and the plus four is always handy, multiple plus fours. But, um, you know, playing for North and the way North you know, are obviously going to battle against most teams, it does hurt, but I still think with Anderson, it, you know, he could score really well and challenge the top six forwards. So I'm going to say like.
0: Uh, Sean Darcy. So I'm going to actually say really big like here. Mostly because obviously other um, rucks have become an issue with injuries. So we know his ceiling, but yeah, he's, he has been a little bit volatile even when he's had the ruck t- position to himself. Um, yeah, and, and the matchup this week is actually quite healthy for him. So. Um, I like the pick, and hopefully you can hit those ceiling games uh, for the remainder of the season, so lock for me.
1: Yeah, I like the to pick too, and I'm looking at him very closely for this week. One recommendation I do have, though, is he need cover. So if you've got a teetle at R3, you know, it's a bit of high risk, high reward with Sean Darcy. You need to have R3 cover with him because he is prone to injuries here and there. He's got a tough skin, and we saw last year probably play through 10 injuries in in 10 games. Um, so that's a great advantage, but if he gets freshened up or has a week off, you're going to need cover.
0: On to Jack Steele. So no ownership. Back this week, I like the
1: pick. Uh, yeah, I like the pick and if you're going to do it, ignore the break even, just jump on now try to get the points game. So like um, Saints inside mids are not depleted, but they're struggling. Uh,
0: Patrick Parnell. So I'll try not to tweet if he's scoring okay next time. So just... <laughs> We'll just save everyone the, the trouble, so it's not my fault. I don't, everyone knows that, but anyway, it was quite funny. It um, wasn't funny for a minute or so, when I was a little bit concerned. But yeah, I like the pig. Hopefully he scores well, and I'll just save the tweets there for the time being.
1: Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, I like it
0: as well. Tim Taranto, so no ownership. Um, you know, did, do we really want to target someone coming off an injury? I don't know, Jeb. I oh, like the pig. No ownership. high ceiling type player. You know, if Kelly can be moved on that outside a little bit. Maybe Toronto's in there, but you know, yeah. Again, the problem with GWS is just they're stacked with midfielders, Jep. So, yeah, you know, they get they're going to chop and chain, chop out of each other the scores. But you know, I, I like the pick. Um, I'm not too sure where you stand with this one.
1: Um, much the same as Jack you like the pick. Got to do it now if you're going to do it so try to try get that points game. I, I think what Jared McVeigh. Jared McBee, Mark McBee, sorry, um, has proven in his time over, or leading GWS West, is he plays players in their best positions. Yeah. You know, plays players to their strengths. And we both know that Tim Taranto's strength is inside midfield. So that spells trouble for Josh Kelly I think. And um, I think Taranto's a really good uh, tactical trade in this week.
0: Uh, Cam Guthrie, uh, I don't, again, I've mentioned Geelong are going to manage players and they're really open with this. So I don't think Guthrie would be in that range of players to be managed um, and he's been okay. Can tackle uh, at a high rate as he did on the weekend. Uh, ownership, not much there as well. So a bit of a unique, don't mind the picture. No, I dislike,
1: had a good game last week, but I still dislike the pick for the long term.
0: Uh, Mason Redman, look, he's getting some of this stuff that, that we thought Jordan Ridley at the start of the year was going to get. So he can score and he can can rack up some ceiling numbers. Uh, just so he might get some volatility here and there. So um, I don't mind the pick. So I'm going to sit on the side of the fence and 51% like.
1: Yeah, Redmond's going really well. Um, probably surprising us all with his high ceiling. Um, 133 and then 125 last week. You could do it, but I'm, I'm going to say just like.
0: Adam Chalor, so he might be targeted in that range, you know, for looking for forward cover. And, you know, Butter's going out with injury and those who had the English there in that forward line as well. Is so it? Chalor's right in that range. Bailey Smith out for another three weeks. Uh, so, you know, that, that he'll come back into that team. But yeah, Chalor for the short term burst might be actually uh, quite acceptable here, Jeff. I'm uh,
1: going to say dislike on a personal note because I've already got quite a few Bulldogs in my team. So, um, I'm targeting Tim English when he does come back as well. So I'm trying... You know, we talked about illness, and and if flu went through the Bulldogs, I think we'd all be pretty um, in dire straits. So I'm going to say dislike and and target the other Bulldogs.
0: The other thing is, if they start to get on a roll to finish off the season, you know, a high-disposal type team. So you might get Bont, Libertore, you might get Dunkley, and really racking up some big numbers. So if the Bulldogs do get rolling... Uh, they've got a tough draw, but if they do get rolling, they can put up some strong numbers. So I actually don't mind the pick. On to the next one there is right in the wheelhouse here with the Bulldogs, Marcus Bontempelli. So I wouldn't be having a, uh, both. I'd be certainly choosing one or the other. Um, yeah, my coach will all over Pally, but Pelli, uh, like, but it's one or the other for me. It's not both. I don't mind Bontempelli, but yeah, one or the other.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, one or the other. Um, but to me, it's Bont. I think, again, even though he's got a few injury niggles, he um, he's a class above and the Bulldogs need him to, to perform and, and he needs to lead the team. So um, that gives us the best chance and I think um yeah Bond will do better.
0: On to Luke Parker. So don't mind the pick again, bumpy centre bounces, which you know doesn't need to be an issue there whatsoever with regards to score. Score's been a little bit fluctuating recently, but yeah, it's not a bad pick, I don't mind it.
1: No, it's a great pick, mate. He's uh he's gonna be the top the sixth or seventh top forward in my opinion. Yep.
0: And we um, should be targeted by everyone So Mike. Onto Angus Brayshaw. So Demas coming off the bye, maybe they settled things down and get Brayshaw back onto the wing. Uh, maybe they settled defence down as there as well. So, you know, just a wait and see on Angus Brayshaw, I would at this stage. He can score, we do know that. But if he goes back out onto that wing, uh, those scores could become really volatile. So uh, for me, at least, just wait one more week on Brayshaw to see where he settles out after the buy. And then sort of we potentially could make a decision in a couple of weeks there. So just to wait and see for me on Angus Brace Rogip.
1: Yeah, it's just like for me, mate. I um you're right. The the the, um, the position in his role is still up in the air and they might change it up. Even still I don't think it's gonna be consistent enough for a primo row defender.
0: Onto to Jaden Short, so um, ahead of out of the half back role, which was disappointing, but in the midfield which is okay, but he's he's seeing a little bit more forward type usage there as well. Uh, I don't think it's, uh, you know, warning bells still here at the moment, so it's st- still definitely a hold. I wouldn't be targeting, uh, but still definitely a hold there for me, Chip.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll say dislike, but I, I think it's a big play. Those with, well, no one's really got uh, no injury rows, but if you had a spare trade or if that second trade's up free, a bit of a tactic would be to ch- trade Jaden Shaw. Um, because of his role change and his lack of ceiling now. And and I think that needs to be uh, food for thought for those who want to, again, take those early punts now, be different and and jump that rank as a result of those trades.
0: Uh, so Brady Granny's still a few weeks away. So Darcy Cameron, um, you know, the, the, all of a sudden the make prize do have a actually really good matchup against um, not much GWS ruck opposition this week. So uh, I've got to imagine that Cameron could be in the wheelhouse for another big score this week. So I still like the pick there. Granny's still a few weeks away, Jeff. Yeah, it's
1: it's a still a great pick, mate. It's a big like.
0: Uh, Ben Keyes, so mentioned Adelaide before, uh, Matthew Nick saying Rory Lead's not the one to pretty much go out. He's that midfielder now, there as well, but he didn't really put Ben Keyes in that same situation. So, if he wants to get Saligo in that midfield, in and around the ball, if he wants to get Haitley in and, in that midfield, in and around the ball, you know, it would be potentially see Crouch go out to win, potentially could see, you know, Keys into a different type of role. So, you know, the, the Crows did get smashed with regards to what they did with their ball usage on the weekend, and, um, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But yeah, Leeds not the one to move out of there. Keys might be a bit of a risk. So from that point of view, it's a dislike for me.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said, buddy. It's a dislike, which is unfortunate because I, I feel like he's one that we all look to because he's the one that never gets tagged. He's got that inside mid role, but if he's getting floated in and out and not getting much of it, it's, it's a dislike.
0: Matt Crouch, same situation, what I just mentioned there as well. So dislike for me on Crouch.
1: Yeah, straight dislike as well from me.
0: Lockie Whitfield, so ownership very minimal, uh, but we what we do know is what I said on the podcast last week, he's managing a ankle injury for the remainder of the year, uh, so obviously got to keep on that from the news perspective, so there's no... He played um, OK on the weekend, so I don't think it's too much of an issue unless it just flares up again. So for me, low ownership, a high-selling top player, I do like to pick.
1: Yeah, I love it too. I think, you know... He- He's pretty cheap still, and he's got that ceiling, doesn't he? So you want to run the risk with his um, glass body? Um, By all means, pick what he would feel. Uh,
0: Tom Liberatore. So obviously we can slot him in the forward line, but I would just go for different options there for for me. So dislike for
1: me. Yeah, dislike as well. The thing with Liber, he'll probably do great without Bailey Smith now. I think he's got, like I know, I've sort of monitored... How the uh, time on ground happens without Bailey Smith there last week, and he was one to increase, and I think he will have a really good month as a result. But it's after that, so yeah, if you bring him in this week, I think it's a pretty good pick. I uh, I would just flag it for when um, when Bailey Smith does come back and they need to share more mid time.
0: Uh, as Merritt, merits, so it's a like for me.
1: Yeah, like for me, plays West Coast this week. I sort of. Um, I've been looking forward to this as an owner for, for Merritt. So expecting big things. He he got on his bike last week in, in the game um, and, and ran quite a... Well, yeah, he had a big, I think, 15 Ks in the match. which was quite big for him. So um, hopefully that translates to more possession, more fantasy points. So big luck.
0: Yeah, and Bob was actually good last week. So just, be, just mm. have them on the radar to finish. Not bad. Obviously, they're poor early part of the season. Yeah, they had did have a lot of injuries there as well. So once they settled that team down and they've obviously changed a few things throughout the game style there as well, you know, the Bombers could actually be on the radar uh, from a an improved performance point of view to finish off the season. Already on to Toby Green, so uh, hit the scoreboard last week, and he's got actually a pretty decent matchup this week against Collingwood as well, so if you're looking for short-term burst, yes, maybe, but long-term volatility, but he can score Jep, so I'm right on the fence on this one. I'm probably going to lean on the fence side of saying dislike volatility.
1: Yeah, dislike for me too. He needs goals to, to get those really high scores, so... Um, that might not happen from week to week, but at the same time he you know, there's a lot of men going down around him in terms of key forwards and, and goal kicking forwards, so he might be the first and only go to. Um so I might have to eat my words, but I'll still stick with dislike.
0: On to Dylan Shield, I don't think I can go there, so I know we know he can score when he gets going, but yeah, dislike for me.
1: Yeah, it's it's about consistency, isn't it? And I don't think I have the confidence in him to, to do those um, big gains week in, week out,
0: so dislike. Yeah, Tom Green, a lot of stack of midfielders in that Giants are going to take points off him. Uh, inside midfield type player, a uh, contested bull, uh, love all that, but, you know, he doesn't really. Well, he's early in the season did have that ceiling, but he really, really hasn't shown that really high, high ceiling since, so dislike for me. Yeah, dislike for me too, but. Todd Goldstein, so obviously people are just searching everywhere for rucks and looking at price tags and, you know, players that did come in. So Ranger being previous uh, good fantasy scores like Todd Goldstein, but yeah, definitely a dislike for me. Um, Kangaroos out of finals, looking to next year. Callum Coleman Jones in the frame there as well. Tristan Cherry there as well. So who knows what the hell is going to happen to finish off the season? Um, so definitely a dislike for me. I would be highly recommending not to go there just from the pure point of views that the Kangaroos could change up that ruck structure at any week, and you're just you're going to get caught. So for me, dislike it. Yeah, just like as well. Mason Cox, so too volatile. Kent obviously scored quite well last time. Uh, and what seemed to be a pretty poor matchup, but uh, he actually hit the scoreboard there as well. And uh, yeah, oh, look, just too volatile. So obviously, people looking at the price tag there. Uh, again, matchup could be decent there as well. Uh, starting at a 50. 50- 50 rate with regards to Cameron uh, that's how they enter the game we'll split 50 50 and then based on how the game plays out is where they play so if Cameron's doing okay in the ruck he'll stay in the ruck and Cox will stay forward and vice versa so you know we're not really uh, locked in on what type of role he does have from that point of view uh, if he's out of the ruck that you know scores could be volatile so dislike for me uh,
1: yeah dislike for me he, he plays one good game every 10-15 games so you can't uh, expect much from
0: a fantasy, point of view. Toby Nankervis can score at a pretty decent rate, but the high, high ceiling is definitely not there. But Nank can get it going for you. So um, not if you're really stressed, Nank is probably the one, maybe. But, yeah, if, you know, if we're looking at Nankervis as an option, you know, obviously the Rucks are a struggle, but that's exactly where we're at. So I don't mind it. Um, yeah, I just don't mind it.
1: No, I do like for me. I think Darcy, Cameron and D- Sean Darcy are better options. Um, Riley O'Brien as well is a better option so dislike.
0: Uh, Josh Kelly still liked for me no even though score wasn't there on the weekend yep like as well Riley O'Brien like the pick yeah I, I
1: really like it and I encourage coaches to seriously look at it
0: uh, Patrick Cripps so started slowly last week but got going in the end so still okay pick but yeah watch and see uh, Blue's got a tough run to finish off the season uh, yeah so and there's still some ownership there on Cripps so I, I wouldn't be going trading him out, but, you know, obviously just monitor his scores and see what he does.
1: Yeah, I like it. He's got two games at Marvel Stadium, um, which probably is... He's probably better at MCG, but then he plays West Coast at Optus Stadium, which I'm expecting a big one. So um, his draw, to me, is actually okay in terms of inside mid matchups, and I think he'll go well, so it's a like.
0: Uh, Sam Walsh, so like for me.
1: Yeah, straight like. I... Um, Tried to get him in last week and um, opted for a different avenue and got Doherty instead so um, they end up okay but um, Walsh has got that high ceiling he's one of those fit midfielders I was talking about that will have a huge second half of the year Um, I probably will look to get Walsh once my team's completed and I'm playing with my primos in each line
0: and the last one here, Isaac Henny. So stack of forward usage is what we did see on the weekend as well. So scores can be volatile, although he did get there last week. So I don't mind the peak, but, you know, there potentially are better options. But, you know, when, when those options are getting injured, Jet was starting to look back at Henny again. So, um, ownership has really uh, dropped off Henny. So, you know, obviously we'll see how the next couple of weeks plays out. But, yeah, I'll just, I'll just wait and see on Haney because you're not really going to get that high midfield usage is what we really wanted going into the season. So it just hasn't been there this year. A lot of forward usage, and he can hit the scoreboard there. And John Longmire did reference that there as well. You know, when he goes forward, he does hit the scoreboard, and that's what they like about him. So, you know, it's a big shift from where they were um, in the preseason, Jeff, that he was going to play a stack of midfield because that really hasn't eventuated all season. So just to wait and see. So a dislike for me pretty much what I'm saying on uh, Henny chip.
1: Yeah, dislike as well. Four goals to get to 101, which is not what we're about. Early in the season, he was getting those tackle numbers and that was propelling his scores upward. Um, And now they're just really not happening. He had three tackles v. Port Adelaide, one tackle in in round 12 versus Melbourne, one tackle in round 11 versus Richmond, one tackle in round 10 versus Carlton. So those tackle numbers have dried up completely and so have his scores so
0: dislike. Uh, apologies if there's some audio issues this week so I've had some uh, issues at my end so that should be rectified uh, next week so hopefully that hasn't come out too bad for this podcast so all the best for this week. Barb, before we go off Jeb, final thoughts ahead of round 15?
1: Yeah, as always have a trade um, in hand during the buy rounds we uh, although it can be too detriment that you uh, change the trades uh, during the rolling lockout and bring in a player that eventually gets concast uh, you still need that uh, ace up your sleeve, so still recommended to um, to not jump the gun too early. Uh, a lot of us, well, there's a lot of coaches out there that go, look, Jackson straight off the bat, off in round, oh, on the Thursday night, sorry. So yeah, we've got a few Thursday night games, round 15, round 16, round 17. Just really highly recommend holding those tracer as long as possible for any. Outside carnage or any
0: surprises? Yeah, I'll be one of those uh, coaches potentially going to Luke Jackson uh, early in the week. So we'll see how we go, Hopefully, we can put it together. So I'll be rolling with the Himmelberg-Luke Luke Jackson double in the forward line. So what can go wrong? Obviously not much. So, um, But we'll see how we go. Um, my thoughts there as well. So from what I've seen out of a stack of teams there, is that you know there are a lot of thin benches out there, Jep. Like really thin. Yeah. Uh, for those with really solid benches, I'd, I'd, I'd almost pick one or two weeks where you go early on trade, just so you can have a bit of a point of difference from what everyone else is going to target. So that might be a bit of an indicator if most teams are willing to wait on their trade, you know, pulling a trigger early on a trade. So. Specifically, what I'm talking about, is if if Tom Stewart was going to play like on a Thursday night, and he's still low owned jet. So, if you've got really strong bench cover, and it doesn't seem to be that much injury or illness or COVID or injury information floating around for the week, by the time we get to like Thursday afternoon, generally we're flushed out. You know, there could be some injury or illness type issues. Um, maybe it's time to, you know, target going early on a specific... Like like a Tom Stewart, high-selling top player. You know, the Cats have got a stack of games at the finish off at home, so he can just sit in that, like, D50 and just take a stack of marks. So... If you've got a strong bench, you know, sometimes you might you might pick a week and just go, right, if it's Tom Stewart on a Thursday night or early in the round, I might just go with him instead. So just, you know, because you know most of, the, most of the highly ranked coaches and the top ranked coaches aren't going to go there because everyone's holding their trade. So at some stage, you've got to take some risk on jet it. So it's just, you know, it might not be this week, uh, but when we get a quiet week with regards to news and, and, and not really that much illness about, you know, I'd be willing to pull a trigger on something. So... Uh, especially, you know, specifically Tom, Tom Stewart there as well. So, yeah, at some stage we've got to take on some risk and that's that's what we're going to have to do for, uh, to finish out the season. So, again, if you don't risk it, you're not going to get the biscuit, Jeb. So, already, all the best for you this week, Jeb. Uh, hopefully you go well again and all the best for the listeners out there for this week as well. Uh, thanks for listening in.
1: Thanks, guys.